Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. I promised you an informational, educational bonus episode. Here it is because something occurred to me as I was watching my wallet and one of my cryptos is skyrocketing beyond unreasonable levels. And some feedback I received as well, but also I watch trends. I watch patterns in where people come from across the world. I know that Spotify in particular, if you're listening on Spotify, and I appreciate you if you are listening to this right now because this will go out predominantly to you because I know there's a lot of people who listen to the show and they listen for different reasons, and one of those reasons is to learn. I do my best also to cover news and then kind of interchange or interplay educational aspects to the news, why it affects crypto, how things flow, how things normally work, but something occurred to me, and this may bore some of the rest of you, and I want to make sure I'm clear about the reason for this episode as being educational primarily for those who have inquired or potentially, if I'm gauging the audience correctly, it's a question not asked, and I, I, I want you to ask the question. I want you to reach out. There have been a couple of people who have commented on Substack which is the host for the podcast, please do that. You are welcome to do so. I want the smoke. So if you have questions or comments, suggestions, anything, please do leave it on Substack. I will read each and every one of them. Also on the CryptoTalkRadio.net site takes you to our link tree where there's a form. I am going to add a secondary form for this general commentary, but for now you can fill in the guest one. It's just a generic form. And with any information that you got, but I will make sure I do a dedicated one for commentary, questions, et cetera, in case people are going that way. Spotify, unfortunately, does not allow you to connect directly to the conduit. So I will announce here on the podcast for those that may not have noticed, and you're not on social media, so you wouldn't have seen it. CryptoTalkRadio.net, that's the website that takes you to everything. It takes you to all the different platforms that are hosted. It takes you to all three of the podcasts that we currently run. And the crypto one, of course, is the primary, so it's at the top. And it's okay if you're already in the podcast listening on your application. It doesn't matter. You can still go to the site. And the reason I'm calling this out now is I do want to make sure you know that there's a conduit for you to submit any questions or comments or feedback. It is there. I will make sure there's a dedicated button for it, but the existing functions will still work. So either Substack, which is at the list, when you go to CryptoTalkRadio.net, and you scroll down and you hit Substack, it will take you to the main podcast host. From any of the podcast entries, you can then leave a comment inside the podcast entries. Let's say you listen to one of the episodes and you had a follow-on question or follow-on comment or something. You can go there, leave it there, and I will get it via email. Or from CryptoTalkRadio.net at the very bottom, there's a form. You can fill it out, and that comes straight to me via email. Email is my, it's, it's golden to me. So, I wanted to make sure that's clear, and I wanted to use this episode to announce, in case people didn't know, CryptoTalkRadio.net is the way that you would get in touch with me if you wanted to. For comments or questions, there's multiple ways to do so. I will be creating a dedicated form for the purpose. At some point in the future, there may be the opportunity to do live. The problem is that I don't have the ability to do Spotify live, and I don't have the ability to do iTunes live, and that's the vast majority of anybody who would be listening to the show today. So the way that would work is it would be another entry on the CryptoTalkRadio.net site underneath the podcast entry for live stream 
and it would show up anytime that we we're broadcasting live. Of course, you would need to know, so we're going to do some sort of notification function, but that would only work if you have subscribed to the main podcast. That's the only way I would know who you are for a mailing list to where you get those notifications. So if you're on the Spotify side and you got the, let's say you got the podcast from somebody else or it was forwarded to you or you just found us on Spotify and iTunes or whichever, if you go to Substack and you subscribe there, you will get an email of new messages, but you'll also get access to the live whenever I get that up and running. So I'm giving you kind of the heads up here because I know this episode will be accessible to anybody and everybody that listens to the show. And of course, all of you, I appreciate. And because of that appreciation, I want to make sure you're aware of the various ways that you'll be able to interact as the show evolves. And I introduce new ideas. That said, let's get into our episode here around education information. And I'm somewhat excited to do this one because it just occurred to me. I did some early episodes and of course my audio was way different at that time. And so now I'm kind of refining the messaging a little bit. I'm refining the audio quality quite a bit. I'm refining the publishing. I'm changing platforms under the hood, all of this transparent to you. So you're just getting the best and the best of me on an ongoing basis and it continues to improve. But one message kind of stood out and that is to fill in the gaps in what I've covered so far versus what I want to cover versus all the different people who are listening and a realization that some people may not be at the level that I'm speaking on, by which I mean that there could be people out there who really just want to learn how to get started. And it's just that simple. And of course, we take for granted as a society that people can just simply go and search and find these answers. And there are, and I encourage you to do so. You could go to search engines and hear the same information, possibly different information, and you should compare different sources. But for people who really are just struggling on how to get started, kind of the basics of it, 101, dumb it down, the simplest form of how to get into cryptocurrency. Also, the reason that inspired me to do this is because I'm starting to get more search engine hits on the different podcast episodes. That means that there's going to be people who are searching these topics, and I want them to hear it from my perspective so that they can share in the journey. And then, of course, they may join the podcast so they can listen to additional episodes and then learn more from those. So what I'm going to do, and this is the first time you're hearing this, but what I'm going to do today, I'm going to be talking about from my perspective only how you, the one-on-one, how you get started, how you kind of get your feet wet, how you get into it, what's the best course of action. And the beauty of me covering this today is I should be able to provide a set of steps that works for you, regardless of what country you're coming from because I'm not going to focus on any specific type of fiat. However, I am going to talk about the process, the process in a generic form that should be very simple for you to follow and should not care what device you have access to. However, there are some fundamental things that you're going to need, and I'm making the assumption that you have access to these things by some form, and I will break down some options that I can think of that should theoretically apply regardless of what country you're coming from. If it turns out this episode is popular, this 101 type exercise, because I did Wallace and Exchanges, I did Rug Pull, I did some other ones. If it turns out that this is popular, what I will do is I'll commit to making it a weekly series of this type of informational piece that's only focused specifically on the informational pieces of cryptocurrency outside of the Today episode. 
there will be those two. And remember I mentioned I was going to potentially do two. Here's where I would lean to do that would be the second episode would be anything that's informational of a sort. That, of course, means that there would no longer be any update episodes in the afternoon because that would be replaced by the informational. So we'll see if this works out for everybody. And if it does, great, we'll go with it. So 101, getting started. You're listening to the podcast and you're at the point where you don't even know how to get started with this thing. And you're interested what you've heard, not even just from me, but everywhere. You've heard about it. You saw some banner in some subway. Your friend told you about it. You're struggling with just how to get started. You're struggling how to get your feet wet. That's what this episode is for, is to try to guide you with some ideas. And I challenge you to bounce my ideas that I give you off of other sources that you search. Don't just blindly follow what I'm saying. Go against other sources. Go check what I'm telling you and make sure it's what you want. And it's following your guidelines because you're going to need to create your own guidelines and your own path because... Everything you decide to do should be coming from inside, not from external. But number one, if you're going to get in cryptocurrency and you're going to hear people say something different than what I tell you, they're going to disagree with me. And the reason they disagree with me is because there's a different philosophy in cryptocurrency than there used to be. It used to be that cryptocurrency was all about getting a wallet and then getting some crypto from directly either in the wallet or buying it from a source and sending it to your wallet and you would leave it what's called decentralized, meaning you're just holding it in your own internal wallet and you're buying it as a one-off basis. That's still in play. You can still do that. So option one is you go what's called decentralized, which means that you're buying crypto directly in your wallet. You're managing it in your wallet. You're buying it from an exchange or whatever, and you're never touching any other source to get that crypto. Option two is you go centralized. Centralized is akin to you going into the store and buying something off the shelf for X amount of money. You can do that, and it's more convenient, and it's easier, and it's faster. However, you are subject to different processes. Now, if you choose to go into crypto for the first time, you've never done it before, my recommendation, start with the exchange. In other words, centralized. Don't start with the descent. This is something I had to learn myself. And the reason I'm saying that is because in the centralized exchange, it is 10 times easier to get the cryptocurrency, number one. Number two, you learn about price movement easier inside the centralized exchange. You can see graphs that show you the ups and downs, and you'll notice it works very similar to the stock market if you ever looked at it. But if you're coming in with whatever crypto, whatever, excuse me, fiat that you have, whatever it is in your country, it's going to be easier to do it in the exchange than it is on the descend side. The one exception to that rule are those countries where completely the exchanges have banned you from doing those transactions. The key is not every exchange has banned. There are a number of exchanges. L Bank is an exchange. Hotbit is an exchange. Bitmart is an exchange. Coinbase is an exchange. Robinhood is an exchange. Cointiger is an exchange. XT.com, ZT.com so on and such. There are tons of exchanges so and gate.io and there's tons. And so what I normally would recommend is to see if there's an exchange that will support your country because I'm firmly believing that that's going to be the easiest way to get started from my angle and my perspective. Having learned this, I started with the decent approach and it actually ended up being harder and I wasted more money than I needed to versus if I had started with the exchange. 
So that's what I would start with myself as an opinion is to find an exchange that works for you. You sign up with the exchange. Depending on the exchange, you may need to do KYC or you may not. For example, L Bank requires you to do KYC, extensive KYC, if you're going to do withdrawals over a certain amount. It's a crazy high amount. It's like at today, it's like $20,000. Like if you're doing low-level trading, you could probably do L Bank and get started right away with minimal KYC. You may not even have to do KYC depending on your country. And like Coin Tiger doesn't do it at all or doesn't require it at all unless you're doing withdrawals over a certain threshold and theirs is I think like $20,000 or 200000 It's a crazy high number. So that's what I would do is start with an exchange, find an exchange that works with your country, works with your fiat and allows you to sign up and you can go through the process, get and you get your feet wet. And you can use whatever fiat you're coming in with, fiat meaning your money, your currency, whatever you're coming in with, and you can convert it into a crypto of some kind. So step one, number one is to either is to decide if you're going to go the descend route, which means you're starting with a wallet, or the send route, centralized, which is starting with an exchange. And I suggest starting with an exchange for simplicity's sake, not for long term. And we'll get to that in a second. So assuming you go the exchange route and you find one and you're all in it, the next step is to decide what cryptocurrencies you want to buy in on. Now, here's where you're going to need to do some research, and I can't guide you too much. You need to identify cryptocurrencies that that you believe are worth your time and money. And you're going to need to watch their behavior, their price movement. Ideally, you're going to find their websites, and you're going to research their tokenomics, and you're going to research their documents and make sure it's a project you agree with. But for certain cryptos, you can buy in in general confidence that they're reasonably not going to move too much. They're called stable coins. USDT, which is Tether, is a stable coin. USDC, which is USD coin, is a stable coin. DAI fancies itself as a stable coin. There's a number of them that are stable coins. You know how to find those because their price never really moves too far from $1 USD. There may be other coins that are so-called pegged to your fiat, but generally speaking, the most common ones are going to be pegged to the U.S. dollar. And they're easy to identify because the price doesn't move too much above or low $1 in value. So stable coins are a gimme in terms of investing towards something to start because in the exchange, they have pairs. The pairs are your currency that you're coming in with. So in this case, let's say USDT is what you buy. That is paired to whatever currency you want to buy, meaning that whoever's selling whatever crypto you want to buy, they want a certain amount of USDT from you in order to give you that product. This is where it starts to differ from stores because in the store, they're going to take whatever your fiat is, right? But in the exchange, you might have situations where USDT is what they want. You might have situations where Bitcoin's what they want. You might have situations where Ethereum is what they want. The only thing you need to be aware of, at least up front, is USDT as a stable coin or USDC. USDT is going to be the most common one you're going to see when you look at the pair. The exchange is going to have some utilities that guide you through how to do exchanges and how to do trades and how to do limit orders. So it'll guide you through the steps of how to do it. Don't think too hard about that yet. Just know that your initial cryptocurrency should be whatever it's going to take to buy the crypto you want. 
or if the exchange directly offers it for purchase, which sometimes happens, like say Bitcoin, then you can go and just do a straight purchase transaction from the exchange and you would buy that as what's called a spot order. So you're just on the spot buying Bitcoin straight from your fiat of choice as you do it. The deposits for your fiat might be, if you have a checking account, they might have options to do an ACH, but most commonly you're going to need some sort of debit or credit card in order to do the transactions. Some of them will offer money transfer options, but from what I've seen, debit or credit is the most common way to do the spot type purchases. If you don't have that, then you're going to want to see if you have access to getting your fiat into a prepaid card. Some of the services won't accept the prepaid card. So you want to be careful on that one. If you're able to get access to something that is a true debit account, so say Green Dot, Green Dot cards, prepaid cards, count as kind of a pseudo check-in account, quote-unquote. So they're most likely to be accepted. If you're able to get a PayPal account and you get their MasterCard, I believe it's a debit MasterCard, that counts as a checking account. So you want the ones that count as a true uh, checking account backing. American Express, by and large, is not accepted. So if you're international, you, you're like, of course, duh. But I'm just saying that, generally speaking, it's going to be Visa or MasterCard. Don't expect Discover, which is more international, and don't expect American Express. When you put your card in, there's going to charge a fee, and the fee is going directly to the card processor for risk purposes. So it's not like it's going to your crypto. That's taken from the card. So when you budget it, you need to budget for however much you want plus whatever that fee is going to be, and you're not going to know until you go in there. Some of the services may require you to do at least a soft KYC before they'll take a card transaction. When I say a soft KYC, that means they want to know your name, probably your address, and they may want to see an upload of your driver's license at the most or whatever ID you're using. And then they're matching your name and the address against the source docs that you gave them prior to you moving forward. Some of them go a little bit more extreme, but what I've seen, it's been really simple KYC, not the extensive KYC, and some don't ask for it at all. Some just do a buy. There are other services where you can buy crypto without doing extensive KYC, but I don't recommend them because of risk reasons. If you choose to do that, all bets are off in terms of risk. Once you've identified that, yes, I want to go ahead and buy crypto and I want to go in an exchange, you'll put your card in, you will receive the crypto in return to your wallet inside the exchange. The wallet inside the exchange is not owned by you. It is delegated to you for the purposes of working within the exchange. That's okay for now. That's okay. What you're going to want to do now is if you bought the crypto that you want, so let's say Bitcoin, you're good. And you have to decide what you want to do next. Are you using your Bitcoin to buy some other crypto are you sitting on your Bitcoin as an investment? You'll just wait on it, watch it grow or not. Decide what you're going to do with it now that you have it. And for that purpose, it's okay to leave it in an exchange. In wallets versus exchanges, I did say that I don't recommend leaving it in an exchange long term, and I still hold fast to that. But for right now, for the purposes of this episode, it's okay to leave it where it is because we're only talking a couple minutes to a couple days. If you're going to buy another cryptocurrency, you need to make sure that it has a pair for Bitcoin. You're not going to know going in whether or not it does. When you go in the exchange area, which is usually an option that says exchange or trade, spot trading, then it'll give you a list of all the cryptos that are out there. And when you hover over each one, most every exchange will give you an option to see 
the website, the white paper, and from there you can go view tokenomics. But there also should be somewhere around there when you hover over it, a list of the pairs. So the pair will look like, let's take Cardano as a crypto. Cardano is a coin by itself. So you can buy it straight, but you can also pair it with Bitcoin. So the pair would look like ADA. The ADA, I call it the call sign, but it's also referred to as a symbol in crypto. I call it a call sign because to me, that's it's not a symbol because it's not stock. But the ADA refers to Cardano, the, stock, the uh, crypto. So when you see ADA, you know you're on Cardano and it'll see slash and it'll say BTC or ADA slash ETH. ADA slash Bitcoin, BTC. That would be the one you would choose if you wanted to buy ADA Cardano. You would choose that pair. When you go in, it will give you a price and it'll say, and it'll be a little bit confusing in the interface, but it'll give you a price at the top that says, this is how much Cardano costs right now. And it'll usually be green or red. And green usually indicates that the price is increasing. Red usually indicates the price is decreasing. There's a lot more to it, but at the simplest level, that's what you most want to focus on when you go in for the first time, having never done it before. At the bottom, generally speaking, depending on the exchange, some exchanges will require you to enter a trading password that you would have that it would have forced you to set before. So you'll enter this in order to unlock it. So like KuCoin is like that. But some just go straight in. At the bottom, depending on the exchange, you're going to see a separate option for buy and sell, different widgets at the bottom. This is where you would tell the exchange that you either want to buy Cardano or sell it, assuming you had it. And there are different types of transactions. There's a limit order. There's a market order. There's also other options that are more advanced that I'm not going to cover here. But the limit order and the market order are the most common that you would see. Now, some exchanges don't show you the market order. They only show you limit order. Every exchange has limit order, though. So I'm going to tell you what a limit order is first. A limit order says, I see that the price is this for this crypto, but I want to pay this, and I want this much of it based on how much money I put in there. So let's say that you are buying with Bitcoin, and let's say it's worth $500 in the United States dollar. And of course, it's in your fiat when it shows it to you, but you want to buy all Cardano. You want to spend everything you have on Cardano, but you want to pay a lower price. You could do that. You could put in a lower price based on what you think the price movement should be or the price you're willing to pay. And the reason you would do this is to maximize how much Cardano you would get. The problem is that you are assuming that somebody's willing to sell it to you for that price. The way you would know that is if you look on the right, you're going to see a running list of reds and greens off there. That's called the order book. And it's showing you a list of all the different orders that are in process in the red. It's showing you all the different price points where there's a sell that's available where there you can buy in from those prices. And then in the green, it's people that have put in orders that would be like you that want to buy it and the prices that they're willing to buy it at. And this is going to overwhelm you, but I want you to simplify it down in your mind in one way. If you just want to get the crypto and you're not worried about the difference of a few dollars or a few lira or a few small increments, a few cents, you're not so worried about it and you just want to get the crypto, 
what I would suggest is that you're going to select one of the prices that's in the red. Usually it's going to be the lowest on the list, which is going to be the lowest possible price that this is made for sale for. And then you're going to put in max, so 100%, when you hit the slider at the little buy widget with that price, and then you hit buy. And then it will do an order, and it should complete instantly because that person was already waiting for you to put in a buy order at their price. Now, here's the trick. Next to their price, there's going to be a number, and usually it'll be like you know 500K or 300M or 500T or some number. And that's saying how much is available, how many coins are available at this price that this person's selling for. So depending on what your amount that you're coming in with is, you may be asking for more than is for sale at that price. If that's true, you're probably going to need to go up a little bit on the price for somebody that has more available for sale. When you go to the exchange, they have helper articles that kind of talk you through this. But I want you to understand at the core level what the limit order is doing. It's saying, I am choosing a price for which I'm willing to spend X amount of money to buy this crypto. That's how the limit order generally works. If you don't care about the small amounts, you might as well just pick something that already is for sale. Just don't rip yourself off if you can avoid it. But if you do care, you could set a price that's the most that you're willing to invest. Of course, remember, and this is going to be tricky, but remember that at the end of the day, the amount of money you have is the amount of money you have. So that's never going to change. The limit order doesn't change how much money you're spending. The limit order changes how much you get for how much you're spending. So as long as you're in your mindset that I'm only spending, say, whatever, $500 or $50, whatever that is, that number never changes. What's changing is how many of the token that you get. You might not care. You might only be caring about the amount that's invested and its price movement. That's referred to as your basis. We'll talk about that on a different episode because that's a lot. That's a whole different conversation. But just know that's how the limit order generally works. Contrast that with market order. Market order says whatever the most optimum price is when I hit that button, that's what it's going to go for. So, It might be slightly higher, slightly lower. Ultimately, if I just want to get the crypto, I'm going to do a market order if that exchange lets me. Not everyone does. Some don't. So like LBank, I'm pretty sure LBank, if I recall, does. But if I recall, KuCoin does not. Or it might be Hotbit that does not. One of the two of them does not. And then LBank does. Uh, Gate.io does not. So depending on the exchange, you may or may not get access to the market order, which is a little annoying. Once you have the crypto that you want, and let's say that that's all you wanted to do, just get into it, buy a little bit of crypto, and let's, for the purposes of brevity for this episode, let's assume that's all you meant to do. At this point, you have a couple choices. You can leave it in the exchange for now and just watch its price move, which is what a lot of traders do. They will use the exchange, they'll log in each day, and they'll just watch the price move. And pretty much all the exchanges have a mobile application, so if you want to put it on your Mobile device, generally you can, and get alerts even. Some of them offer, like LBank, offers alerts for price movement so that you don't have to constantly watch it. So you can do that. It's a choice. Option two would be to send that crypto out to your wallet. Now, I'm not going to cover the send to a wallet here. I will cover that on a separate episode because sending to a wallet has a whole different decision tree to it that's going to drive you nuts. Suffice it to say, When you are sending to a wallet, 
you're going to be charged. And the charge is usually based on the amount of money it costs for that exchange to do the send. So you're going to learn about how to exchange crypto between your wallet and the exchange interchangeably using different techniques for different types of coins to just get money moved. The downside is that certain cryptos can't be easily converted into other cryptos inside the wallet like they can in the exchange. So, and I want to bore you, but suffice it to say, if you, let's say, bought Cardano here, you could easily send your Cardano out to a wallet, but you're not going to be able to swap it straight to BNB, for example, in the wallet. It doesn't work because they're different networks. So there are swaps that let you do it, but that's a whole different convoluted situation. If you needed BNB and that was your goal, I would say just get BNB directly from the exchange from whatever fiat you started with because that's going to be the fastest way to get it is at the exchange. The exchange is always the quickest way to get to whatever currency because the exchange inside trading doesn't care what network something is. It's all just a pair. And as long as you have that crypto to start with, you're good to go. Even if you bought the wrong crypto to start, let's say that you wanted BNB and this won't happen, but let's say you wanted a BNB and you bought Bitcoin, but you didn't see a BNB and Bitcoin pair. You will, but let's just imagine you didn't. You could still trade your Bitcoin for Ethereum, and let's say that there's a BNB ETH pair. You could trade your Bitcoin to Ethereum and then go into BNB and then trade your ETH for BNB. So you have the flexibility in the exchange to get to the crypto that you need faster than you could do in a wallet. That's why I say, in my opinion, it makes better sense to start with the exchange because you can get your crypto sorted out the way you want much easier, much faster. Then later, when you want to get it into a wallet, it's just a send and then you sit on it. If you ever need to trade that crypto for another crypto, it's a matter of a trade back from the wallet into the exchange and then do what you need to do and then send it back out to the wallet. Hopefully that makes sense, but at a high level, what we talked about just to summarize. Number one, in summary, I believe that the exchange is the best way to start a centralized exchange, an L-Bank, Hotbit, KuCoin, Cointiger, uh, Gate.io, any of the exchanges that you can find where your country is supported. And there are a lot of exchanges. If you're not sure where to find an exchange, I would start with the crypto that you want to buy. So what I mean by that is do a search in your search engine of choice for the crypto you want to buy. That crypto is going to have a page that tells you the best ways to buy it. And if it doesn't, it should link you to CoinMarketCap, which is a site that will then tell you what exchanges it believes that the crypto is traded on. So I would start with the crypto you want. Then from there, find the exchange that is trading that crypto. Then go to that exchange, follow the setup and st steps, and see if you can get in to the exchange from your country. Generally speaking, I haven't seen too many limitations, but I know they're there. Follow the instruction videos and things that they show you and how to interact with the exchange. Because once you learn the nuances of one exchange, the rest of them are pretty much the same. You'll learn a pattern in how the exchanges work. So just get, get accustomed and get comfortable with how the exchange flows and how it works. Once you're comfortable, buy the crypto that you want, if you can, directly. If you can't buy it directly, find what pair it wants. So find what pair will allow you to buy that crypto in the exchange list. It'll either Chances are it'll either be Bitcoin, USDT, or USDC, or ETH, Ethereum. 
it'll chances are be any of those four. Most common is going to be Bitcoin, USDT, or ETH Ethereum. You should be able to buy pretty much any of those three. From what I can tell, every exchange allows you to directly buy any of those three. So you can do a spot order, and there usually is a buy option near the top somewhere. So just buy in. When you hit buy, it'll then say which one do you want, and it doesn't really initially matter which one you choose. Choose whichever one makes sense to you. You'll pay with your fiat. They may ask you to do KYC, but it's a limited KYC to do the transaction, and they would need your billing address anyway. Once you have that crypto, go back to the exchange area where you would do the trades. Find the crypto you really want. Let's say it's ADA or, you know, Kishu or Floki or Shib or Satama, whatever it is that you want, whatever the end goal crypto is that you want. Find that in the list. See what pair it allows. If the pair that it wants matches the crypto you bought, you're good to go and start trading that. If it's different, you're going to need to go and buy whatever that crypto is. So if it's, let's say you bought, as I mentioned, Bitcoin, and it wants USDT, and that's the only pair, and that happens a lot with some of the lesser coins like Floki, then you're going to need to get USDT. So you're going to need to take whatever you did buy and convert it through the exchange for USDT, which is basically a sell. So if you bought Ethereum, you would sell your Ethereum, and it will give you USDT. Then you go back over to your crypto that you want and then do a buy using the limit order. Limit order, again, is what price do you want to pay for this and how much do you want to spend towards it. Follow their instructional sets because it's going to be the best way to understand how that exchange specifically works. But at a high level, you're telling it a price that you're willing to pay and you're telling it how much money you want to spend towards it to buy it. Once you've bought it, I would sit on it initially. At some point, you might send it out to your own wallet to just hold it, especially if you're going to do it long term, which we will discuss in a secondary episode dedicated to the sending to a wallet transaction, as well as I will give this high-level overview I just did from the descend perspective, from starting from a wallet and what that experience looks like so that you can contrast and compare. If I start from exchange, this is basically the steps I'd have to follow. And if you listen, that's a lot, right? But it's, it's easier once you're in it. Talking it through, it's a lot of steps, but it's easier once you're in it. Then I will provide an episode for the wallet side. Once you understand the wallet side, I think you'll see why I say the exchange is probably the easier way to do if you're new. But I'll also talk about sending from the exchange into a wallet because that's important because that's pretty much the only way you're going to be able to load the wallet unless you buy directly in the wallet, and I'll talk about that as well. So hopefully that's been informational for our 101 of the series. I got to give it somewhat of a creative name and I will give it a creative name. And this will be something I will target to do once a week if I can to just kind of help people out that they really don't know where to start and they load the information. It all sounds good, but it's, it's kind of water over the breeze until they start from scratch and get kind of in it. And then they can start consuming the rest of the information. Hopefully this has been beneficial, helpful and informational, even if you're in it. Hopefully you learned at least a little bit of something about how this all goes. And I'm going to close this out with a gift. And this gift is, I don't know who's going to be listening to this episode because I don't know who's interested in the episode. Of course, it goes to everybody. But I suspect that there are certain people that will listen to it and certain people that won't. And then there's people that may or may not listen to it to its duration. If you've listened this far, 
I have a present for you, and I hope you enjoy this present, and I hope you enjoy this series. Take care. One.